Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. Today is Thursday, July 20th. Coming up, some fans of producing food locally want to keep chickens or bees in their yards. But they're running up against city codes that don't allow that. It would be nice to have a way of supplementing my income. We'll have more on one gardener who's suing her city so she can pursue her dream of selling honey. Plus, tax credits are playing a key part in the Biden administration's efforts to lower greenhouse gas emissions. But first, some headlines. California says it's banning all state-funded travel to Missouri because of the state's recent anti-LGBTQ laws. KCUR's Noah Zahn reports the ban takes effect next month. California's ban comes in response to laws signed by Missouri Governor Mike Parson that restrict gender-affirming medical care for minors and block transgender athletes from participating in sports. In a statement, California Attorney General Rob Bonta said that the laws, quote, constitute a clear case of government overreach. The ban will prohibit state funds from being used to travel to Missouri for things like non-essential academic research or state school bowl games. California has also restricted travel to 25 other states, including Kansas, that have laws that discriminate against LGBTQ residents. After last Friday's storms downed trees and caused a mess across the Kansas City area, local governments are ramping up their debris cleanup efforts. Kansas City has three drop-off locations posted on the city website. It'll offer curbside pickup for storm debris by appointment only, starting Monday, July 24th. Kansas City, Kansas residents can drop off debris at the Johnson County Landfill or have it picked up on their normal trash day in bags and bundles under 50 pounds. Overland Park has two drop-off sites where residents can bring storm debris for the next two weekends. They will also clean all street debris not connected to private property. We have a list of other cities' debris collection information on our website, kcur.org. Hundreds of people working game days at Kauffman Stadium are poised for a pay bump and better working conditions. KCUR's Frank Morris has the details. The union representing many of the workers staffing game days at the K has tentatively agreed to a new contract with the Royals. Rose Welsh is lead negotiator for the Service Employees International Union, Local 1. These are the toll gate attendants who sit in the hot boxes to let people in. They're the parking lot attendants who direct traffic, the ushers, the restroom attendants. Almost 300 people. They're all getting a $2.75 an hour raise over the next couple of years. So the lowest paid bathroom attendants will be making at least $16 an hour. Spokesperson for the Royals says management is pleased with the contract and proud to pay what it says are some of the higher wages in Major League Baseball. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive.
backyard beekeeping is all the buzz and running into regulatory problems. A Kansas woman is now suing her city for the right to produce honey in her yard and then sell it. Kansas News Service reporters Suzanne Perez and Celia Yopi-Stepson fill us in. So, Celia, tell us about Ellen Finnerty. This is a gardener who is suing her city? Yes, suing the city of Ottawa. And I, I visited her at her home. Uh, she has this uh, gorgeous backyard that's just packed with fruit trees and wildflowers. She's a very talented gardener. And she works in a warehouse uh, where she's a machine operator, and she she wants to add to that income. I work 10-hour shifts. The warehouse was over 100 degrees today. It would be nice to have a way of supplementing my income. So she took college classes in beekeeping, and now her goal is to add a few beehives to her backyard and ultimately sell the honey at a farmer's market. Local produced honey, when you've had it, you want more. You're not going to go to Walmart after that. But that didn't quite work out for her. Why is that? Well, the city of Ottawa won't talk to me, but the issue is that it has a rule on the books that says you can't operate a home business if it involves animal care, which obviously bees, you know, are animals. So uh, the city said no. And a city planner sent her an email that says, you know, I know this is a hot topic in the region and cities are slow to adopt code to address beekeeping. A hot topic, huh? That's interesting. Yes, producing food in residential neighborhoods is a hot topic. It has been for years. Uh, some cities are changing their codes because of it. Lawrence, for example, in 2016, it changed its rules to let people grow more residential crops and and to allow beekeeping and selling honey and other foods locally. And in fact, the city of Ottawa is now reworking rules to allow chicken coops. But rules that limit beekeeping in one way or another are pretty common, right? That's true. They are. So cities and counties often have rules that affect beekeepers in different ways. I chatted with John Schellenberger. He is a longtime beekeeper, and he thinks part of the reason is just a lack of public understanding that beekeeping is safe. You know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about honeybees. Honeybees are not naturally aggressive. You know, but I think people, they think, oh, bees, you know, they're, they're going to sting me. Well, they're not going to sting me. Schellenberger is president of the Beekeepers of Indiana. Um, and in 2019, that state struck down all the local bans on beekeeping with a state law. Uh, so local governments there can set a few rules like limiting hive numbers, but they can't ban beekeeping. So what is Ellen Finnerty, this Ottawa gardener, actually arguing in court? Well, a small government advocacy group took on her case for free, and that's the Kansas Justice Institute. So the institute argues that this city code in Ottawa violates the Kansas Constitution, which says that Finnerty has a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, they're not suing for money. They're just suing to change that city code. Here's the legal director, Sam McRoberts. She has a constitutional right to earn an honest living, which includes setting up beehives safely in her backyard and being able to sell the honey at the farmer's market. This lawsuit is going to make it so the city can't just prohibit things that have been that, that are safe and reasonable, like beekeeping and gardening for money. Ottawa responded by asking a judge to throw out Finnerty's case, but it also signaled in a court filing that it could be open to changing the city code. Is that looking likely? 
Well, it certainly could be because a new court filing says the city has started good faith discussions to resolve this lawsuit. That was reporters Celia Yopis Jepson and Suzanne Perez. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. The White House has set a goal of reaching a carbon-free electrical grid by 2050. Tax credits, lots of tax credits, are the linchpin to this plan. Last year's Inflation Reduction Act committed more than $250 billion in tax credits to jumpstart the country's clean energy transition. Harvest Public Media's Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco has more about how the surge in funding could mainstream carbon capture technology. Walking between two rows of fermentation drums at the Adkins Energy Ethanol Plant in Northwest Illinois, Jason Townsend shows me a pipe overhead. And the pipe is, is that one? The... Uh, way up top. Townsend, who's worked at the facility for two decades, tells me it emits something like 175,000 tons of CO2 into the atmosphere a year. Oh, sure, yeah. You see, the, it's running along the catwalk up there in between the two tanks. That pipe connects several fermentation tanks and collects the CO2 produced in the process of making ethanol, a form of alcohol derived primarily from corn that is widely blended into fuel. And very soon, the CO2 coming out of that pipe will be captured, which could help the U.S. hit the Biden administration's goal of net zero. Atkins Energy is in the beginning stages of piloting a new technology that would capture CO2 and turn it into green methanol, a popular biofuel with all kinds of industrial applications. The plant's general manager, Bill Howell, says it's expensive to take this on. And so the question is how much risk can companies assume in the early stages in order to participate in that developing market. The Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, both passed last year, are attempting to answer that question. Together, they're investing hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade to jumpstart the clean energy transition. Included is a whole set of new and revised tax credits. They're aimed at building infrastructure, like EV charging stations, wind and solar power, and carbon capture. Noah Deitch is a deputy assistant secretary for carbon management at the Department of Energy. They help essentially put the thumb on the scale to make technologies that might be a little bit more expensive, but are zero emissions today, something that's cost effective here and now. The Inflation Reduction Act also expands uncapped tax credits, like the 45Q, which in the past paid $45 per ton of CO2 captured and permanently sequestered underground. The new law almost doubles that and pays even more if gas is removed directly from the air. The lucrative tax credits are already having an effect. Three pipeline projects propose capturing CO2 from dozens of Midwestern ethanol facilities and then transporting and sequestering it under Illinois and North Dakota. The Congressional Budget Office and the Joint Committee on Taxation estimate that carbon capture and sequestration credits will cost the government upwards of $3 billion over the next nine years. However, Neil Morota, the Assistant Vice President and Policy Advisor at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, says taxpayers could be on the hook for even more. They're uncapped. So the ultimate take up just depends on how much commercial viability and interest there is in trying to pursue carbon capture projects. Morota co-authored a Brookings Institute report that found that the tax credits could cost somewhere in the ballpark of $100 billion over the next 10 years, or 
30 times what the government estimated. And there is concern about whether the money will be well spent. Steve Ellis is the president of Taxpayers for Common Sense. He says an analysis by federal agencies found that 10 companies claimed over a billion dollars in 45Q tax credits previously. And when they did the analysis, they found that $894 million worth of those credits, so almost the entire amount, you know, nearly 90%, did not comply with EPA guidance. The Treasury Department and the IRS are expected to release revised guidance on tax credits later this year. The DOE's Deitch says tax credits may be expensive but they're worth it. The alternative is emissions going into the air, making climate change worse. And that could be even more costly. Aaron Jordan of the Cedar Rapids Gazette contributed to this story as part of a collaboration with the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk and Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Gabriella Lacey, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Celia's story about selling backyard harvests and Juan Pablo's story about carbon capture, plus other regional coverage from Harvest Public Media and the Kansas News Service at kcur.org. And you can also find local news from Kansas City's NPR station in the same place. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.